powerful time when we focus on the cross and remember that our sins are forgiven. If you're not ready to take communion now, you're not going to ever be ready. Okay? I'm going to put a little icing on that cake. So uh, I've been reading this book by uh, Smith Wigglesworth. It's kind of a cool name on the anointing of God. But uh, in one of these sections, he just he just says it so clearly. I want to share it with you. So um, he says, there are two things that are certain. And there is a third thing that is more valuable than either of the first two. One is that the devil doesn't let you forget your sins. Second is that you never forget them. They're in there somewhere. You can try to block them out, but they're in there. And the third is that God has forgotten. I just want you to think about that. I just want you to meditate on that. God has forgotten that you sinned. Right? He's like, it's done. And it's not so much that he has a bad memory. It's more that Jesus' blood covers that. The question is whether you are going to believe God, the devil, or yourself. God says that our sins are past, cleansed, and gone. Think about that. When I was... um, sitting over here, knowing that we were going to do communion, I was like, oh yeah, I was going to turn to Mark and, you know, uh, read the communion story, right, when Jesus but in Hebrews he makes it real clear right, he takes the Old Testament sacrificial system and he he's like, not that anymore not the Old Testament anymore not the sacrificial system it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin God doesn't delight in your sacrifice and your feeling bad and you're like, well, I'll do better. I'll be a good boy this time. He doesn't delight in that. He delights in your surrender to the blood of Christ cleansing your sin. He delights in your yielding to the fact you can do nothing to save yourself. That's how we come to communion. It says here, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, which is the law, in order to establish the second, which is the law of grace. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. I have that highlighted in my Bible several times here. Once for all. For a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Notice the two things. He said, you have been sanctified. It's past tense. And now he says, you are being sanctified. It's like you're realizing what's already happened. It's already happened. Now you have to realize it. Well, let's realize it today. All right? Let's take the bread. We realize we weren't there. We've been told the story of how his body was brutally beaten. Maybe you've seen the Passion movie. Maybe you've seen other things. You get the idea. You've seen violence. Crucifixion at the top of the violence list. 
body literally broken beyond recognition for all. Right? To save us. This do in remembrance. Then he took the cup. What a picture, right? Just look at that. The blood of Jesus Christ. What a picture. One drop of his blood hits the ground. That drop should cover all sin for all time. That's how perfect Jesus was. His blood spilled for us to cover our sin. You will never feel more clean than you do right now you realize that Satan's the one telling your mind you're a sinner. And you're the one remembering what you did this past week. But God is saying, it's finished. I've already forgotten. As far as the east is from the west, Christ's blood is covered. This do. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the three of you, one of you, working together to reconcile us back, to restore us to the relationship you had with Adam and Eve in the garden, perfect relationship. And now you've written your word, you've written perfect will on our hearts. All we need to do is stop thinking so much. Stop listening to the voice of Satan. Stop hearing our heart's desires so much. They're deceptive and wicked. And to start listening to the Spirit. To start being changed and transformed as we listen to you, Holy Spirit. As we connect our spirit to you, Holy Spirit, teach us the ways of Jesus, the perfect ways to live. Teach us the ways of a loving Father who loves us even when we walk away. He comes running when we return. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to think clearly about who we are in Jesus Christ. May that change everything about us. May we walk out of here, hands held high, head up, and a smile on our face because you have done it. And we are redeemed. In Jesus' name I pray. And I know it. Amen. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Thank you. That was a powerful time of worship. I just want to say thank you to everyone who helped set this up. Came at 7 o'clock and uh, got us all kind of ready. And it's a lot. But uh, you know what? It's not too much. Because God's enough. And he gives everything that we need. All right. Hey, good to see you, Tina. How are you? Good. 
So I'm off script already. I just had to say hi because when somebody from Iowa City comes, that that's pretty cool. And uh, I've saw I've seen a lot of friendly faces. Okay, we're what did we study this past week? What did we read? Sorry, I'm I'm gonna get off track. So. First Thessalonians 2, 3, 4, 5, right? Read one last week. And then 2 Thessalonians 1, 2, 3. Any themes in there that you pulled out? Y'all take a journal. If you don't have one, you'll, you'll take a journal. You'll know where we're at, okay? And you can, go, or you can start at the beginning, whatever you want to do. Uh, but we're in the middle. We're on week. What, what is it, week? Let's just see. I don't even know what week we're on. Is that bad? I'm not that into checking boxes anymore. Oh, it was week five. We just finished week five. We're on to week six. So there will be a new series next week. If you want to do week six, start reading 1 Corinthians tomorrow. All right? Take a journal and uh, use it as you wish. Any themes? from? I'm asking. I'm, not, I'm stalling now for your answer. I pulled out a, t- a theme. Give thanks. You see that? Look at chapter 1. Go ahead. 1 Thessalonians. Verse 2 of chapter 1. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and the Father. Your work of faith and labor of love. And steadfastness of hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Not you doing it in your own flesh. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Again, this is such good news. Because our gospel came to you not only in word. It's not just, I told you about the word. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There's this theme of giving thanks for the power, the word, the Holy Spirit, all of it. And then look over uh, verse 13 in chapter 2. He continues, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word from men, but as it really was the word of God. which is at work in you who believe. God's word and his power and his spirit are at work in those who believe. Do you believe that? I believe that. I felt it this week. I feel God working on me. He's tinkering with things. He's making me new. He's binding old hurts together, healing wounds He's changing and renewing my mind. It's fun. It's fun to be with God every day. Like, I don't know what church you go to, but like, it's fun to be with God every day, right? Sometimes we come to church, we're like, just bend over, I'll take another one. It's like, no spankings today, dude. It's fun to be with God. God's not an angry father. He's not an angry God. He's not like... My favorite phrase is whack-a-mole. He's not a -a whack-a-mole God. He's in love with you. He loves you. Because he created you. And he put a spirit in you. And he wants to communicate with you. 
And in that communication, which doesn't always come through the mind, okay, through words, English, in that communication, he's changing you. Hallelujah. All right. I see a theme of giving thanks, and there's more. I'm just going to stop there. But, like, could you just shout out? Could we just start with that? I'm not going to preach on that. But we're into this participation thing, right? Could you just shout out some things that you're thankful for? Go ahead. Life? New day? Family? Hair? Somebody say hair. I'm thankful for hair. Sorry, health? What else? Salvation. Amen. We could be, what's that? Holy Spirit, for sure. We could be corny in church. It's cool. I already told you what I was thankful for. I was thankful for like a team of people that came here and set this all up. And you don't know this, but there was this big stage prop right here, like really heavy. It took like five of us to move it. And the janitor, the, the custodian, sorry, he, he helped. And I mean, just, I'm just grateful for that. I'm grateful for the love of God. I'm grateful for the peace of God. I'm grateful for so much. Okay, now, you're like, well, that's great. So since you're so grateful, how, what are you going to do with that? I'm grateful to God for everything we just said, and I want to live a life pleasing to him. Right? Because I'm grateful, I want to live a life pleasing to him. Does that make sense? All right, so the title of the message today is A Life Pleasing to God. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read it for you. Um, did anybody read Acts 17 this week? Anybody? Did anybody read Acts 17 this week? The reason you would read Acts 17 is it gives the history of Thessalonians, right? So let me, I, I'm just going to take the time to read it since nobody did, because I do think it helps us. So give me a second, I didn't plan to do this, but uh, I do think it helps us. Okay, this is when Paul went to Thessalonica, right? And this book, chapter 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are written not long after, okay? So, now when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there were, uh, was a synagogue of the Jews. So, there was Jews there, and they, they, they worshiped God, the God of the Old Testament. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, so you're learning a little bit about Paul. Paul would stay in a town for three Sabbath days, right? So that's how many weeks? Three weeks, right? And he would preach, and he would go to the synagogue, right? Three weeks. And he, we also know he was working. If you read Thessalonians, he was working with his own hands, probably making tents. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ, that's the Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, so he puts a name on Messiah, whom I pr proclaim to you, is the Messiah, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks. So there's even seekers out there, not Jews, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. 
and taking some wicked men of the rabble. I don't have any idea what that means, but that's pretty crazy. They formed a mob. Does this sound like anything in our culture? Set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting. Not real calm. These men who have turned the world upside down Yes, they have, but not the way you think. Have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another King Jesus. Now, I just want to just point this out to you. I felt like there's a revelation that needed to be given today anyway, so I'll just say it now. Persecution's coming. And this is the line, right? These people are against Biden. These people are against Caesar. These people are against government. They're making a big stir. That's going to be the line. That's what's going to be said. Because you won't do everything somebody wants you to do. It's going to, it, it's there, okay? It's right here. And the people of the city and the authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Oh, it was about money. Okay, anyway, don't get me started. All right. I just thought it'd be helpful for you to, like, hear kind of the background. So what happens is, if you keep reading, Paul and Silas get, like, taken away quickly. They get sent out by night, right? Send them out. And they're like ripped apart from these new believers. And that's why he writes 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> He's communicating to these young believers who've had three weeks with him <laughs> before persecution rose up. Imagine that. <clears throat> and he's, he's telling them, hey, remember I said this when I was there? You might have missed it. Remember I said this when I was there? You might have missed it. But I'm going to tell you all these things. In chapter 4, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, I know it's a little chilly in here. Excuse me. Pardon me. I'm sorry. But we're just going to keep going. Finally, then, brothers and sisters, we ask. They're asking. And we urge. So it's a strong ask. In the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the flesh, but by Jesus, I'm asking and urging you that you, as you received from us how you ought to walk and to, there it is, please God, a life pleasing to God, just as you were doing. He's not like, because you stink, I thought I'd tell you. He's like, just like you were taught, just like you're doing, do it again, right? He says that you do so more and more. That's the theme for the year. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And this is the will of God. Your sanctification. I have that circled in my Bible. When it says the will of God for you is something, I think you take notice, right? He wants you to be sanctified. 
He sent Jesus to sanctify you. You have been sanctified, and you are being sanctified, as in you're realizing how much you've already been sanctified. It's completed. With Jesus, he's not thinking about it. It's completed, but you're thinking about it because you're like trudging through dirt and mud, you know? That's, that's why. So stop thinking about it if you could. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust, like the Gentiles, who do not know God. I don't know why he keeps calling out the Gentiles. It's not like the Jews are any better. Other than what? They have the law and it's a big prison. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll get stoned if I do that. It's like, okay. Gentiles just don't have a prison. That no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity. Now that challenges me. It challenges everybody in this room. Impurity is a normal thing for us. But God says, I don't call you to impurity. I'm calling you to holiness, to honor. Praise the Lord. But in holiness, therefore, whoever disregards this, so don't disregard that. Don't be like, well, I can live in impurity. No, you, you shouldn't. Okay, And God's written on your heart that you shouldn't, because you feel bad if you do. Disregards not man, but God. Who gives the Holy Spirit to you? I'm going to come back to that. Now, concerning brotherly love, do we love each other? I love you. I'm grateful for you. And it's a brotherly love, right? But we want it to be agape love. Not just phileo, but we want it to be agape love, an unconditional love for one another. Right? We're going that way. You have no need for anyone to write to you, but I am. For you yourselves have been taught by God. How does God teach them? Through the Holy Spirit, right? To love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing. And to all the brothers throughout all Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, so it's like this strong ask and urge. We urge you, brothers, to do so. More and more. He says it again. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That verse right there that I just read made me want to delete Facebook. I'm just just saying it. That verse right there, I'm still thinking about it. If I delete Facebook, the problem is the church won't have a Facebook page. That's their link. So, but does the church need a Facebook page? I'm not, anyway, too much process in front of you. That verse is important. We should live quiet lives, mind our own affairs, work with our own hands. Why? Because it helps us to walk properly before the world and to be dependent on no one except for the Holy Spirit, except for God. I'm not going to preach that verse, that's why I said that. So let's get into it. I want to live a life pleasing to God. A life pleasing to God includes several things. I'm going to give you three, okay? First thing is it includes your faith. Look back at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. He says, 
I sent Timothy, our brother, and, our, uh, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. Look at verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn, Timothy going, right, about your faith. Look at verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith. For this reason, brothers, in verse 7, in all our distress and affliction, because they were like burdened, right? Even Paul's human. He has fear these people are going to fall away. Isn't that in God's hands? Nothing he could do about it, except for encourage them. In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through, everybody say it, your faith. So a life pleasing to God includes your faith. Your faith is very important, okay? Look at verse 10. As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face. He wants to go back after getting kicked out of town, right? And supply what is lacking in your faith. What are they lacking in faith? They're saved, right? Aren't they saved? What are they lacking? A deeper faith. A more and more faith. And I got to say, the problem with the Christian church in America today is, I'm saved. End of story. And this passage is what God brought me to at the beginning of the year to say, there's more, Steve. More and more. Encourage the church to more. Salvation. Check. Awesome. I am living an eternal life. And there's more. Keep going for more. Why become complacent with so little when God wants to communicate so much more? So I said to us at the beginning of the year, why are so many people not living in victory? Why are so many people unhappy? Why are so many Christians miserable and grumpy? It's because they just checked the box of salvation and that's it. And they're not in communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form day by day. They say they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they don't act like it. Right? So I'm challenging us, I'm asking us, I'm urging us, church, to more and more. And especially in your faith. Okay? You. Right there. You. Sitting here, listening to this. Your faith. Okay, I'm going to give you three things you have faith in. Faith in God. How big is your God? Can he do miracles? Oh, well, he did that in the New Testament, but he can't do that anymore. Then you got a small God. The same God, Holy Spirit, that wrote the New Testament is still writing things in your life right now. The same power that Jesus had through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? All the manifestations of the Spirit on display. Healings. People, uh, demons getting cast out. Miracles. All of it available to you. 
do you want more? Faith in God. That unbelief, it's a restrictor. That faith, open that up, and that'll be a conduit to so much more with God. Okay, faith in the gospel. I mean, we just banged that drum during worship and then communion. I don't even have to say anything about that, right? I'll save some time there. Like the gospel, how much do you trust your salvation? I think people are unhappy because they're trying to work on their salvation. It's done, right? So stop trying to be sanctified by doing good works when you were saved by doing nothing. All right. Faith in the growth process. So this is the key. Are you comfortable with who you are? I don't really like myself. I kind of want to be better. God loves you right where you are. Is he done with you? No. No, 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 no. But he's on a pace. He's on a page. He's got a pattern and a process to grow you. All he's asking is that you yield your page, your pattern, your plan to his, and he'll take you on this growth process, this journey, and you'll be significantly different. And it's not going to be hard. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's not going to be striving and, oh, 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 I'm done with that Christianity. That was so horrible. Sheesh. It's like, I'm not all that. My prayer request, I'm broken. That's good. <laughs> in parentheses, right? That's good. And God's doing work in me. Praise the Lord. That's it. Right? Just be on his page and his plan. He's going to do things. You're going to do things. He's going to respond with love. How are you going to respond? Hopefully with faith. God, I just trust what you're doing in my life. And it doesn't feel good all the time. But you know what? Maybe it should feel better because you're in control. All right. Let's move on. The last thing I wanted to ask you, it's from a verse I already said, verse 10 of chapter 3. Is there something lacking in my faith? I think that's a good question. He's saying, hey, you're saved, but I want to fill up what's lacking in your faith. So is there something lacking in my faith? Well, how do you find out, Steve? Well, just ask your husband or wife or ask your neighbor. Or ask, no, ask the Holy Spirit. Just roll up to God and be like, God, am I lacking something? Because if I'm lacking something in my faith, I want it, right? And I want all of it. That's important. All right, so question to you. First point, is something lacking in my faith? All right, two. Your sanctification. Your sanctification. Not just your faith is pleasing to God, but your sanctification is pleasing to God. I have three things here. More and more holiness. I, I just looked at the clock and I want to have participation time, so I'm just going to fly right now. Okay? More and more holiness. You could see it, verse 2. It says it, right? I'm going to give you more and more, right? What? Through sanctification, verse 3. And then he says it in verse 7. Your holiness, right? I want you to be holy. I don't want you to be impure. There's so much more I could say about that. I want you to just write down, because I brought you a hymn today. Remember, I've been banging the drum of 1 Corinthians 14, 26, right? Each one of you bring a hymn, a spiritual song, and a lesson, and a revelation, and a tongue, right? And an interpretation. 
Each one, we're participating. We're going to get ready for that right now. Okay, here's, here's a song for you. Read it this week. It'll encourage you. Psalm 51. Okay, I'm bringing you a hymn. Psalm 51, write it down. Okay, and now next, more and more love. So he gets over here and he's like, more, I don't even have time. Like so much about love, but to do this more and more, to love one another. Loving means shutting your mouth. That's why it says live quietly, right? I always thought loving meant just telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God all the time. I'm learning loving sometimes means shutting my mouth. When I disagree, just it's okay to be right and not tell anyone. I guess, if that's proud. I know, I used to say that a lot. More and more love, and then more and more encouragement. Let's not, I want this whole message to be encouraging to you. Let's not forget that piece. More and more encouragement. Look at verse um, 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I know he's talking about end time stuff, but he's also talking about the holiness. He's also talking about the love. Encourage one another with all of these things. I'm supposed to encourage you to be pure and holy. I'm supposed to encourage you to love more and well. I'm supposed to encourage you that even if you die, well, then I won't be encouraging you anymore, (laughs) but encourage all of us, right? If some of us die, it's okay because we're going to be with the Lord. And we get to go first when Jesus comes. Won't that be awesome? All right, there's so much more. God gave me a lesson, but maybe I'll share that later. Um, Here's the last thing, and this is so important. Number three, your focus on God as the author and finisher of your faith and your sanctification. So here's the point. The point I want to say, because this could be a like pull yourself up by the bootstraps, a do good message, right? Do more and more, do more and more, do more and more. That's not it. I need you to focus on being, yielding to God so that you will be the person he wants you to be. I need you to go into Forget your head, because your head is where Satan attacks you. I'm not saying your mind is always wrong. You can have intellect, that's good, right? You can have emotion, your heart. Where do most of the ideas come to your head that you want? Your passions, right? The passions come from your heart. You want something, and so you tell your head, I want that. But you know what? There's another part of you. It's your gut. It's your spirit, right? And in your spirit, when you connect with the Lord there, that, and you shut off your mind for a second, and you stop the passions of your own heart, which will deceive you for a second, and you tune into the gut, right? The spirit, the soul of yourself, the immaterial part. And you quiet yourself and you listen, that's when you're going to hear God. And God's the one that's going to build your faith. And God's the one that's going to build your sanctification. He's going to take you on a journey of doing different things and becoming a different person. So don't forget to focus on that rather than, well, I'm going to do better and it'll all be good. So your focus, this is very important. A life pleasing to God includes your focus on God as the author and finisher of your faith and your sanctification. I'm going to give you two verses on that. Here's the two verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Did you read that? At the end, 
was that, Friday? Yeah, Friday maybe? Yeah, Thursday? So good. He who calls you, who called you? Who called you? What did he call you? Beloved? Chosen? He who called you is faithful. You're not faithful, I'm not faithful, but he's faithful. He will surely do it. So this is not a do it message. You don't have to do it. Submit to God, let him do it. All right, and then one of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you. Has Jesus begun a good work in you? You're here in church. I don't know why you came if you don't think there's something here for you, right? So there's something beginning, right? He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, right? To bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's working in you to bring you, to make you spiritually fit to receive what he already has planned. You're going to see Jesus face to face and you're not going to cower in fear. You're going to be like, oh my goodness, I'm home. Right? And I'm not saying you're not going to be reverent. It's not going to be flippant. You're going to be reverent. It's God. You're going to be like, what? But I'm telling you, it's not going to be like this fear-laden thing that we think it's going to be. From a loving God, it's going to be awesome. All right. We're going to have these guys sing, so come on up, guys. And I want you to prepare. We only have about 10 minutes, but I want you to prepare. Why is our participation time getting shorter and shorter? That's it. That's it. So I'm going to have to. Yeah. So I'm going to have to like, well, we did communion and stuff. And, you know, that's you got to figure all that in. But, uh, hey, I just want to say this. Next week, we may or may not be in the auditorium. So redoing the stage, they had water damage and all this stuff. And so we got told because it's MEA week that they're um, going to do a big remodel or whatever, fix the stage. So I don't know where we're going to be next week, but we're going to be at JM, all right? So that, we'll be in the building. And uh, whether we're in this room or we're in another room, it's, it's all good. But just wanted to give you the heads up on that. All right, we're going to sing a song from the inside out, all right? So let's stand. I'm going to pray. God, I hope that the things that have been said today would be edifying to each believer here. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you truly as Savior and Lord, if they haven't given their life completely to you in surrender, I pray that they would do that now because you're such a good God and you'll handle them so well. Help them to remember that they're a saint. Get their focus off of the sinner and get their focus onto the saint. In Jesus Christ, we are free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And it starts inside and it comes out. God, we pray. As we sing this, seal it upon our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.